0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz.
1: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz for the 29th of May. Happy 80th birthday to my dad. Unbelievable. What a stud. Anyway, we'll continue on the numbers breakdown of the draft prospects. Adam Silver's got some interesting news. Locked on Grizzlies had a note in an upheaval in Houston. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked On Jazz. Pum how are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky, geeky numbers, and trying to make the offseason a fun, enjoyable, and informative time to be a jazz fan. Hope you're doing great. Today's show is available on the new app Himalaya. You can download that app on your Apple or your Android phone and take advantage of all their playlists and curate your own playlists. And they're great sources and they're great little fun things. They're doing a lot of creative things in Himalaya. It's also available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. And when you get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Jazz. A few notes for you. Locked on NBA has a super good show today. It's uh, Sean Woodley and Charles Hamilton, Locked on Raptors and Locked on... um, Warriors together as one uh, previewing the series is only the Lockdown Podcast Network can. And, as I mentioned, huge happy birthday to the best guy I've ever met. My dad is 80th birthday today. It's just a total stud. Um, Love him. Best. Great. Perfect. Awesome. All those things. So uh, happy birthday to him. All right. um, I got a great question after yesterday's show from a listener. So... If you didn't hear yesterday's show, what I've done is I've gone through the draft prospects and I've broken up the numbers of these prospects into a bunch of different categories. And so what those categories are, are athleticism. And I judge that based on how you do in transition and how you do in isolation. Isolation could actually fall into more than one category. Playmaking. What you can do with the ball in your hands, pick and roll or roll into the basket. Shooting, just catch and shoot stuff, and I look at guarded versus overall. And creating, which is the ability to get your shot off off the bounce. Um, and isolation could probably fit into that, but I've put isolation into athleticism. So those four categories, athleticism, playmaking, shooting, and creating via the numbers, without ever having looked at any of these players' play. I truly like could not find any of these players in a lineup, which seems ridiculous, and this was the criticism, like, this seems like a really stupid show and waste of time that you've never seen these players play. So I'm not telling you I think you should draft players solely based on this, but I think this is actually, I really enjoy this. I think it's a great way without any bias at all. In other words, I don't know anything about Kevin Porter Jr. Nothing other than he's a junior to Kevin Porter. Like, I don't know anything about him. And I don't know his height. I know his weight. It's 216. Like 216 because it's on my sheet. Like, I know nothing about him. And I think there's a great value to looking at the data without being biased by a slam dunk or a bad turnover or something else and actually seeing how he performed as a player. Now you can go back and look at the film, and then at that point you might see flashes of things that tell you that he might be able to do something else somewhere along the way. But you also can watch film, like I got suckered by Michael Carter-Williams because I happened to watch a game where he knocked down a bunch of shots and thought he was going to be a really good NBA player and watched him do some things defensively and thought he'd be really good, and it turned out I was completely wrong. And in retrospect, if you go back and look at Michael Carter-Williams, there's a bunch of numbers that say that he's actually not a great, he wasn't a great athlete and there were other problems to him. And so I really do think that there's... enormous value to these kind of numbers and looking particularly the ones that are on either end of the scale so when you look at zion williamson we know he's great but transition is the 92nd percentile okay well that really jumps out well we're gonna look at brandon clark today out of gonzaga and he's in the 90th percentile of all transition and the 86th percentile of all isolation okay he's and he only ran a few. That's a pretty high-level athlete ability, finishing, doing some things. I, I don't know. Again, I don't know anything about Brandon Clark. I, and maybe he just was bigger than everyone else. But it tells you he can run. He can finish at the basket. Finishing's hard. It's really hard in the NBA. And, so, and then I look at Brandon Clark, and he's also in limited opportunities, 92nd in spot-up percentile and spot-up shooting. It's like, whoa, what's going on here? Let's dig into this and what's taking place with him. And there's some interesting things on numbers we'll get to later on Brandon Clark of Gonzaga that makes him like I would, as a scout, if I was a general manager looking at a team and I had these numbers confronted to me, that's a player I would actually then go re-watch a lot of. I also think there's a huge flaw in the way technology is scouting players. These scouts and assistant general managers and GMs and people in the front can now go just watch someone's pick and rolls only. And I understand what you're watching. You're seeing how he makes the reads and how he comes off picks and what he. But you're not see too very rarely, I think, because of a time crunch, are scouts spending the time to actually watch whether how a player plays in the flow of the game and impacts the game and things of that nature. I think that's you know that's I'm not saying Dennis and Justin and those guys. I'm just saying overall in the league that's a flaw when I talk to people around the league that's often what I'm hearing people think is an area where there's an inadequacy in how the league is uh evaluating talent. All right, few other notes for you around the league before we get to um those numbers and some other uh, fun things, by the way, I do want to give a little sh- Father's Day shout-out to both um, Untuckit, if you're looking for something for your father, NBA. I probably should be getting something great for my dad. Uh, NBA is the promo code at Untuckit. They've got these nice shirts, fit great, um, fit built to be outside the um not to be tucked in, maybe make your dad look a little more hip. Uh, So that's available, promo code NBA. And then I've gotten my dad GRIP6 belts over the years, GRIP6.com slash lock. All right, few notes. Adam Silver in a New York Times piece talked about mid-season tournaments again. Uh, This is, I don't know when this is going to happen and how it's going to happen, but we're going to have tournaments. There's been talk over the years of having a starting the year with the Eastern Conference and Western Conference Cups and maybe having those games count in some way. I don't know what the mid-season tournament would be because players are going to want to break, um, and how you do it. Do you actually maybe maybe you actually have twenty, thirty all stars instead, and or twenty eight all all stars, and they put seven on a team. And I don't. It's all star style game, so I'm not sure they'll actually really play. Um, I actually think they should go to three on three or one on one tournaments in the all star game. I think that actually might bring out a little pride in players. Um, A little bit, but Silver kind of continually is talking about this. I know it's something he really believes in. Uh, I'm sure they're trying to formulate the models. He even pigeonholed the date at the 75th anniversary of the NBA. So I think we're seeing something of that sort coming. Uh, I was listening to Locked on Grizzlies yesterday, and they were running through a good show if you want to go grab it. They were running through prospective Mike Conley trades, and the one they liked the best was the jazz trading Derek Favors and Contracts. So people have asked me, I was wrong about that the other day, of how you make that deal done. You actually, um, you you can trade once you've, once you've guaranteed, you either can, tr- if you let Favors go, you can do it with cap space or you pick up Favors and trade him. So they were doing favor. we picked up Favors' option, then traded him, or gar- we, it's not his option, we guaranteed his contract. And then we traded him and they wanted a 2022 or 2023 unprotected first-round pick. It's an interesting gamble. Um, and that's how they talked about it, is that w- whether or not the Jazz would be willing to give up a 2022 or 2023 unprotected first-round pick for Mike Conley. And one of the their selling points for the Jazz on this deal in on the show was... It would allow the Jazz, who in their minds with Mike Conley would be the second best team in the Western Conference. I think that's probably true. Um, that the in making a run at the Warriors, who might have lost Durant and have like a legitimate, like almost NBA Finals caliber team. And the the next note on that is their point was, you know, the way that the Grizzlies went and added Marcus Soul at the deadline, the Jazz would still have their 2020 pick. That they could trade, and if they did 2023, they'd have their 2021 trade. If you've traded the 2023 pick, I don't think you can trade the 2022 pick. You can't trade first-round picks in back-to-back years. So therefore, you wouldn't be able to do that. But it's an interesting model, and I it's a big risk on the Jazz end. But on the other end, we don't have a lot to offer the Grizzlies that they really want, right? They have Valanchunas and Jaron Jackson, and I'm not sure Favors is truly that appealing to them in in that in many ways. And so, You know What is it that we have to offer that they would really want? Well, we better find something, and that is probably it. That Mike Conley, at this point, is worth a future unprotected first-round pick. They don't, they're not going to, I don't, unless the market really dries up, I don't think they'll be particularly interested in the 23rd pick of this year's draft, and would, you know, are the Jazz willing to do that? Um, The one thing that is interesting on this that gets into the leverage game is if the Jazz are trying to make a run at, and the, the by the way, the, it's interesting on Conley is because you have to give up favors to get Conley because of his contract. The price on getting him is actually the same to the roster of going to get Kemba or Tobias because you have to give you have to res- send all your free agents. You basically have to do the same thing uh, to get Conley. So that's that's of interest. Uh, one other note for you before we dig into our numbers, the Rockets have some interesting things going on right now. If you're following it, and Ben DeBose at On Rockets did a nice job. I mean, I do. I sit around and work and listen to the podcast, and they're good. Um, so, Roy Rogers, they have not picked up D'Antoni's contract yet. For He has a year left in his deal, and they have not given him an extension yet. So, they're, they have either let go or a bunch of free... Coaches have left that staff. Roy Rogers, who was a longtime coach, there's left. Jeff Budzilic is not coming back next year. Um, the James Harden we talked about a lot during playoffs about how the Jazz would shoot around at eleven because James Harden had a ten o'clock shoot around just for himself, and the um, and the coach that put him through those that was his workout guy has been relieved as well. They had all t- sorts, I guess, of arguments and fights and this whole Chris Paul. James Harden thing. So there's a little bit of upheaval going on um, with what's taking place in Houston and worth keeping an eye on. You can follow all these stories, by the way, by following Locked on NBA Net, which is the Locked on Podcast Network's NBA feed of all their hosts. And you get great stuff. Um, So Locked on NBA Net on Twitter or on Instagram. On Twitter, it's the feed of feeds. It's all of our hosts on one feed uh, out there. It's pretty, you know, Pretty great stuff. Um, season recaps—you can hear about certain players. And um, in fact, locked on Pacers today. I'm just bookmarked. It has a thing on Bojan Banjanovic's future, which I think is interesting to the Jazz as well. Um, we need some athleticism, and that might not fit that, but he's a pretty darn good basketball player. Um, so, on that note, and by the way, speaking of athleticism, there's a um, uh, there's a uh, Locked On Magic is about Aaron Gordon, who I think is an interesting possibility of a trade prospect that's out there. So a lot of stuff going on uh, on the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's show is brought to you by my friends at the store, 6200 South and 20th East. Was at the store on uh, Sunday. My son and I went and spent a ski day over at Snowbird and then came down to the store. Got our mudslide cookies. We got our favorite kombucha we got a june pie the s'mores pie which i really love the marshmallow topping we picked up some uh t- the chicken and meat back in the back for my wife to do the cooking it was just to you know it was the store it was that community feel uh and just the great sweets the only thing i forgot was the locked on mudslide ice cream if you haven't heard uh along with leather bees uh the The store has combined to make locked-on ice cream. We have the Loch Ness Monster Ice Cream, which is uh, caramel and uh, chocolate mudslide cookies in vanilla ice cream, and we have the mocha and mudslide cookies in the locked-on mudslide ice cream. So check those out at the store. Make sure you get the mudslide cookie there as well, but also get the great community feel. It's all there at the store. It's 6200 South and 20th East. Today's show is also... Brought to you in part by Homie, revolutionizing the real estate market. Homie is doing that. Instead of just guaranteeing 6% every single time out, Homie is instead a flat fee of $1,500 for you to list your house. And what does that do for you? Well, what it really does for you is it up gives you the opportunity to have more equity and make more money. Plus, the HOMEY team works with you as a group. Does that team work? As of right now, the data shows it does. Mark, houses are showing selling faster uh, than the average market and at a higher price than the average market. Go check it out. Go text HOMEY to 88588. That's 88588. Oh, wait a sec. Yeah, text LOCK to 88588. That's LOCK to 88588, and they'll reach out to you, find out more about Homie and what they do. Find out how much equity you can save by just paying a flat, simplified fee of $1,500. It's Homie Utah company changing the real estate market and changing the way real estate is done. Go visit Homie 88588. That's 88588, and text LOCK to them. All right, let's dig into the numbers. Uh, yesterday we did the top ten players in the league, so let us start at eleven. And I mentioned Brandon Clark of Gonzaga, and pretty interesting. So um, Brandon Clark is two hundred and seven pounds, uh, and is uh, sorry. I just wanted to pull up a, a, a note or two on him. And out of Gonzaga, and he 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 his numbers really peak out a little bit. Um, so he is 22 years old and played, I think. So he's, you know, he's a little bit of one of these. You got to be a little careful about because he's older. And if you go back and look at him at 18, 19 years old, he only averaged eight points and six rebounds. So he's, he's got the old, and that, that's a legitimate thing to be very worried about, uh, with a player. Um, but here's the note on him in, he had 90 percentile in transition, with 93 transition attempts, which is a decent amount, he did not do a lot of isolation, only 27 attempts, but he was 86%, scored on 52% of those. His role success was very good, he was in the 78th percentile of role guys. Um, Jackson Hayes, who we looked at yesterday, was is at 95th percentile, is the best there is, and then De'Aaron, DeAndre Hunter has a little bit. But otherwise, um, you'll see the, another Gonzaga guy coming up here, Hachimura. Uh, is about the same. And then the interesting one is in the limited times in which he did his shooting, he was actually really pretty good in his spot-up percentile. He was at the um, 92nd percentile, 65% effective field goal percentage, just 46 attempts. What gets interesting is when you look at his catch-and-shoot percentile, it's really bad. He's only 8 of 23 on catch-and-shoot. So why is that? And his unguarded catch and shoot numbers were really bad at three of fourteen. Yet his spot up was okay. So what it tells you a little bit is that his range is limited. He's a bigger guy. Not that he's not a natural shooter at all, but has some athleticism there that you're working with. And didn't do a lot of creating. Was uh, five of seven off the bounce. So not a lot there. Kevin Porter Jr., uh, who is a uh, he is another one of these uh, West Coast players. Uh, comes in at um, 6'6". He's just 19 years old. He's out of Seattle, Washington. Um, and so he is another transition great. 89th percentile transition. of the. We'll look at the top 21 prospects on the CBS Sportsline top guy. His ninety. The 89th percentile puts him. Zion Williamson is better and nobody else. 68 transition attempts. Then when you look at his isolation game, it's not there. 29th percentile, 23 attempts, scored on 26% of those opportunities. Pick and roll, ball handling at 6'6", not really there either. He's in the 38th percentile, scored on just 30% and about 46. Shooting is average. Effective field goal percentages at 53, his spot-up percentile is at 50. He's in the 49th percentile catch-and-shoot, an unguarded catch-and-shoot. He's actually less good. But then this gets a little interesting on... Creating opportunities and jumper off the bounce, he's in the 81st percentile. That is an area where almost all of these guys struggle, and he's got the best numbers of any of the top 20 picks that we've looked at in creating a shot off the bounce. So you have elite athleticism in his finishing. You don't have a lot coming in isolation he's got to create it for himself but maybe that little off the bounce game gives him something so there's definitely there's you know you're you're moving into kind of the middle first round of a not great draft and here's a kid who's got some pieces of skill that should you know you dig into and you really kind of like a little bit those the elite athleticism and transition finishing for usc and really good off the bounce uh And and just 19 years old. So you start, you know, this is one where you start to try to figure out what he might be able to put together uh, for you. PJ Washington is out of Kentucky. He's 6'7, 227. Um, 71st percent down transition. As I said yesterday, you really want these guys 75% below, but that's okay. I mean, 71, he's right there at 49 chances. Not great in isolation. Uh, did not play any pick and roll with the ball in his hands. He really played kind of the power forward position for Kentucky at 6'7". He was the roll man 38 times last year. He was average at finishing. He's actually one of the least. Bull Bull was the only one that was probably less good of the 20 guys I've looked at so far. His spot-up shooting, though, is great. 85th percentile, 112 spot-up attempts. That's really high. R.J. Barrett's the highest at 206. Um his catch and shoot percentile is the ninety-third percentile. So, um, you know, here's PJ He's 6'7", 227, and he can stroke it. Um he his catch and shoot attempts uh, thirty-three of seventy-three. His unguarded catch and shoot uh was in the seventy second percentile. The only guys that have been better are uh are Jay uh Ja uh Morant uh was better. Who else? Um Cody White out of North Carolina uh was a little better than that. And we'll see coming up here that uh Cameron Johnson his north uh, the out of North Carolina is a little better. But this guy he you know, 16 37, nothing off the bounce. So what do the numbers tell you about PJ Washington? Six eight, six seven, two twenty seven, six eight, two thirty, depending on your viewpoint. Um Decent in transition, not a lot of isolation game, great knockdown shooter, no self-creation, no playing with the ball in his hands at all. Uh, let's go to North Carolina's Nazar uh, Little. Um, he is seeing his name a lot. A lot of people like him, and the numbers really show a very uh, different story about him. Six six, small forward, one of the top-ranked players in his class, uh, came out of uh, Pensacola, Florida. He's 19 years old. He's got the 7'2 wingspan. So everyone's like in love with him. But let's dig in a little bit here. This is interesting. 71 percentile again in transition. So that's great. 31 percentile isolation. Sh- scoring 33 percent of the time. Pick and roll. Only 18. And in the 18th percentile scored 28 percent of the time. Shooting. Nazarelo, 22nd percentile in all catch-and-shoot, or in spot-up circumstances, 47 chance. 20th percentile in all catch-and-shoot opportunities. Shot 8 of 31. And overall, he was 4 of 10 on open. And off the bounce, 11 of 41 in his shooting off the bounce, 30th percentile. So... This one's interesting to me because this is one where I do think the numbers are. I I haven't watched him, but I've read a little bit about him. 6'7, 7'2, 220. Everyone gets really excited about Nazar Little. He's got these great arms, he's got this great athleticism. Okay, the numbers say to me, like, there's actually nothing efficient offensively, no skill here other than some transition athleticism. Um, You know, and you read him. You, the Miami Herald had an article about him saying that he thinks he could be next Kawhi Leonard. Like, whoa! And maybe you'd have to go back and look at Kawhi, and you'd see none of these numbers too. And this, you know, and that's your outlier. But there's this great body, this incredible athleticism, and then I think you have to ask yourself: like, you hear the words "phenom" and this, and um, but I, you, you've really got to ask yourself, what is it that you you see in his game that you believe? Parlays into being uh that caliber a player, I think you know there's you have to be a little careful uh on that all right we'll look at the next. Uh, set of guys as we continue uh, today and and continue to break this down. Hopefully you're fine. I, I do. I find this super interesting um, as a way to look at players when you don't know them and, and get some understanding like that, that jumps out to me. And I think there's some really interesting two of the three players I'm about to talk about have some really interesting things uh, as well. Today's show is brought to you in part by Shamrock Auto, My good friend, Rob Taylor down in Pleasant Grove and Shamrock. And I, I, I just love, uh, well, Rob. First of all, I love Rob because he listens to the program incessantly as he's biking around town this time of year. He's probably the most loyal locked-on listener. But Shamrock Auto Group is a car dealership in Pleasant Grove. Used cars, predominantly cars that are early mileage cars, predominantly, you know, the SUVs or the minivans or the Utah County assault vehicles that are out there rolling around. But some of the favorite stories when Rob gets really prideful and talks about what he's built there with with his crew is that these people who come from out of state were the people that pick up the phone and call Rob and say, hey, you know what? I'm looking for this car. Can you go find it for me? And that was what Rob wanted when he first built uh, the Shamrock Auto. Because what he first did was he built, he hired a tech, uh, a mechanic who's been in the business for 20 years to go buy the cars so he would know that they were reliable and good cars all the time. Kellen, the sales guy down there, does a great job uh, helping everybody out. Um, His technician has been in the business for 25 years, and so you know you're getting great cars. That's what it's all about. Give Rob a call, 801 319 2250. That's 801 319 2250. It is in Pleasant Grove, 203 North, 2000 West. Uh, 2000 West. The same road as North County Boulevard, just off exit 275 in Pleasant Grove. Go say hi to Rob. Tom Locked on Jazz sent you. They have been giving away these great lifetime coolers for any Locked On Jazz. Uh, listeners who head down and support Shamrock Auto.
0: Life is complicated, especially right now. You're spending more time inside, unable to go to restaurants, and that means you're cooking dinner. But if you're like me, I hate cooking
1: Locked On NBA has got the preview show going on with Locked On Raptors and Locked On Warriors. That's certainly a good one for you as well. Special thanks to Hotels.com for sponsoring the show. Don't uh, like, hate your friend's trip. Go do it yourself on Hotels.com. All right, Romeo Langford. Romeo Langford, who are you out of Indiana? Uh, These are, you know, we're into the. We're in the 20s. We're not quite at 23. Tomorrow we'll get to a bunch of the guys that are floating around the Jazz, but some of these guys might um, pop out here a little bit. Romeo Langford is a 6'6", 19-year-old shooting guard, 216 pounds. And when you start to dig into him, it's interesting. 29th percentile finishing in transition. So that, like, jumps out immediately and says, whoa, has he got athleticism. But in isolation, he was in the 76th percentile played in the pick and roll 144 times with the ball in his hands. The only guys who've done that more are Jay Morant, Jarrett Culver, and we'll see Alexander Walker out of Virginia Tech coming up. So this is the guy who's really played with the ball in his hands as much as anyone, even more than Kobe White, who was a point guard at North Carolina. So... And he was good in the 90th percentile. The only guys that have been any better than that, Zion in 22 attempts, DeAndre Hunter in 22 attempts. This is 144 attempts at the at the 90th percentile on the pick and, O's, pick and roll. So Romeo Langford jumps out to me right away. Then can he shoot? He's in the 42nd percentile in spot-ups with 117 attempts. We get to catch and shoot, and it falls off the map. 21st percentile in all catch and shoot. Uh, 15 of 56 in his catch-and-shoots. But open catch-and-shoot, he's averaged, 59th, 49th percentile. So what's going on here? He's 4 of 26 on guarded catch-and-shoots. All right, that's a little problematic, and they have to probably watch his game, and I'm just guessing. I've never watched him at all. I would guess there's a hitch, or there's something about a long release, or there's something that jumps out there in the numbers. But... It can't be that bad because off the bounce, he got 110 shot attempts on jumpers off the bounce this year in the 65th percentile. The only guys that have been very few guys that have been any better than that that we've looked at Cam Reddish out of Duke uh, took 62 and is it a better percentile um, on those pick and rolls. Uh, the kid out of Vanderbilt, was hurt in limited time. Darius Garland, probably projected top possible top five pick um, is better than him, but not. 65th percentile is actually pretty good for this draft class. And the 110 shots off the bounce, only uh, Reddish has taken more. So really, uh, if you can now with these numbers, kind of my point of why I like it so much, I have to go back. What's going on? Why four of 26 unguarded catch and shoots? Is there something that's a flaw in the shot? If is that fixable can he be an average above average shooter because the pick and roll actions great the isolation game is surprisingly good with a handle he's not doesn't seem to be an elite athlete finishing um, so you know that's what I would dig in looking at um, from his standpoint and I again the, these are i don't know a lot more about him you may probably know more and watch more college basketball uh, than I did let's go to the out of Virginia Tech um, I think it's Nickel. I don't, I'm not certain of that, frankly. Again, I'm not trying to lie to you guys. I haven't had the time to go watch a bunch of these guys, and um, I don't watch college basketball. 20 years old out of Toronto, Canada, 6'5", 205 pounds. And here you see the peak number, 88th percentile, in transition, gets to the basket. But isolation game, nothing there. So the complete inverse of what we saw just a moment ago with Ra- Romeo Langford. But pick and roll, 161 pick and roll attempts. This is elite high level, 70th percentile. That excites me. I, you've got to have players who can handle the ball on the in the NBA game. His shooting is lights out. 82nd percentile of his spotting. Uh, spot-up shooting, 147 attempts, which is a ton, 76th percentile of all players in catch-and-shoot, 49 of 126, and on open catch-and-shoot, 72nd percentile. This is a pretty intriguing, interesting player to me. Okay, elite athleticism at the rim in transition, playing in transition, not great isolation, plays with the ball in his hands, pick-and-roll is well above average, knock-down fabulous shooter, Can he play off the bounce? Not only okay, 53rd percentile, off the bounce, 43 of 64. Probably why the isolation's a problem uh, there. But that, to me, for a mid-round 15th pick, kind of putting the pieces together numerically, looks pretty darn interesting. Uh, And again, Someone I haven't watched. I don't know exactly where he's projecting. Um, I took the, e, the CBS Sportsline um, top 25 and or top 50 to do this. Cameron Johnson's our next one. He's one of these older players. He's 6'9", 215. He played at Pittsburgh and then went to North Carolina. Um, he's elite finisher, 127 transition attempts, 83rd percentile. He's average in isolation, limited pick and roll times, just 25 kind of on both sides, but a gr- great shooter. Ninety, The best shooter out here that we've looked at, Cameron Johnson, 97th percentile on spot up, 97th percentile uh, in the catch and shoots, 83 of 167, 82nd percentile in wide open shooting. Off the bounce, um, he doesn't do a lot. He's in the 66th percentile, but 97th percentile off screens, 89th percentile off the cut. This is an older player, 6'9, but he, knock. Down shooter. Now, did he, you know, that's something that probably translates. He's really old. He played his first college games in 2014. He had not been a 46% three point shooter prior to this last season. Did he just get older? Did he just get stronger? Did he just figure it out? Was he playing with great players who found him? He's always been a very good free throw shooter, so that seems to parlay to it. But he is a huge red flag. If you're thinking about him making big jumps because of the fact uh, he doesn't play with the ball in his hands a great deal and he was not a dominating player at a young age. He only became great at 23-24 but if you're drafting 18-19-20 you just want a shooter, that might be um, a pretty good answer there. Let's take a look at Grant Williams as our final one of the day. He's out of Tennessee, and, um, and we'll look at more guys tomorrow that will be all around there. 20 years old, out of Houston, six seven two thirty six. 236. So many of these just wing players, um, very similar uh, in, rega- in in a lot of regards, but this is where you, know, you kind of dig into these numbers and find something different. So Grant Williams, uh, 53rd percentile finishing in transition. That's a little alarming. In fact, of the top 20 guys – Kobe White out of North Carolina is worse. Cam Reddish was worse. By the way, the Cam Reddish number is eye-opening. kind of reminds me of Justice Winslow, who everybody thought was an athlete and turned out to not be. Romeo Langford, who we talked about earlier, who I had a lot of positive things, is worse. But that's 53rd. There aren't a lot of guys that are below the 50th percentile in uh, transition finishing. Interesting, and you don't see this very often, Grant Williams on isolation in 70 isolation attempts. Only Jarrett Culver at Texas Tech and Jay Morant had more than his 70, both Rui uh, Ru- Hashimura out of Gonzaga and DeAndre Hunter out of Virginia, who I like more and more the more I look at the numbers, um, had the same amount. And Williams is in the 94th percentile in those kind of isolation plays. He's a big, strong kid at 6'7", 236, so he's probably doing that as a power forward on isolation, almost a little post-uppy, I would guess, um, because he's coming, taking things off the roll. He's not playing with the ball in his hands, but he's able to kind of beat you, so it's an interesting mix to see. No pick and rolls, though, only as the roll man. His shooting was 58th percentile of all spot-ups. His catch and shoot was in the 60th percentile, 19 of 48. His open catch and shoot was a little less good. He was 8 of 25, And then off the bounce, 19 of 39, 87th percentile on cuts. So that's an interesting one. I haven't watched him. I don't really understand his game. Um, But that isolation, that ability to beat you if he gets isolated, shows you some uh, ability that's worth watching. He's very good on the – and they went to it a lot – uh he's very good on the roll to the basket or at least pretty good at the roll of the basket for a six seven guy i don't know how much that translates and an average shooter so that's our look at guys tomorrow we'll look at uh hachimura Keldon johnson tyler hero um a kid out of georgia K- carson edwards out of purdue another kid out of georgia nicholas claxton uh try to get to the florida state kid uh how do you, how do we pronounce that first name wow Uh, Kim Bangley and then Arizona state and another Tennessee kid, if we have time. So that's the plan uh, that this has been locked
0: on jazz part of the locked on podcast network. Rejecting the screen has been retweeted by Kobe Dame Lillard and Vince Carter. So it's fair to say you should give it a shot. I'm Noah Kozlov. And I'm Adam Stanko rejecting the screen, hits your feed every Tuesday and
1: Thursday on Tuesday,